Right? This is over in Genesis chapter 19. This is the story of Lot. Now everybody's going, oh, wait a minute. Now I ain't got nothing to do with Oscar. <laughs> no, it don't. That's, 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 not, that's not what I'm saying. But what this, this chapter is really about, not only is it about a man named Lot, but it's about Lot's situation. And the situation that Lot got himself involved in. And Lot becoming desensitized to sin. This is what this is about. And when I mention this going on with Oscar, we're going to get get into this in just a minute. Oscar was in such pain. Uh, I can remember standing here in the pulpit looking at him and he had this, I mean, the, the, the distress on his face, I could just tell he was hurting so much. And when I went over there and talked to him, visited with him, he just in such pain, you can see it. And sometimes what will happen to a nerve pain like that, they will give you a shot and numb the nerve. And desensitize you to the pain. What's wrong still exists, but you don't feel it. Do you follow me where I'm going with this? This is what can happen to Christian people in the spirit world. Is you can have a spiritual injection to the nerve of your conscience. And to conviction. That is a word we don't hear very much anymore. Not in the Christian realm. It's getting very rare. Sin is a word we don't hear very much of anymore. I mean, you hear it a lot from me because I give you what God gives me. But we can never become desensitized to what is sin and what is wrong. To where we can't feel it anymore. To where we don't understand it. We have pain because our body alerts us to something that is wrong. It needs to get fixed. That's what pain does. Pain, as I often used to tell my children, is a motivator. It's a motivator. It will make you take care of things after a while. This is what conviction does spiritually to you. You can't really point to something that's hurting you, but it's your conscience, it's your heart. You're sensitive because of He that lives inside of you is super clean. And as we talked about grieving the Holy Spirit, this is hand in hand with that, but it's also you becoming desensitized to what's around you. We talked a little bit about this in another sermon that I preached here just recently, but I'm going to read you this story here. And this is in Genesis chapter 19. I'm going to set this up for you here. Now, imagine that Abraham is there and he's in his camp and all of a sudden these angels show up. And he invites them in and they have dinner and he says, shall I hide from Abraham what my plans are, what I plan to do? Remember, God says he'll show you great and mighty things that you know not. And then Abraham began this bargaining session because they said they was going to go in and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the cry of their sins was so just in God's ears. They had become so sinful 
so terribly bad that God was going to go and deal with the town of Sodom and Gomorrah, where we get the word sodomy from. This was wickedness at its most epic point. It was people at their worst, spiritually speaking. It was ugly. It was bad. So bad, God was going to deal with it. Well, Abraham's kin was there, Lot. And he said, Lord, you know, and maybe that was Abraham's motivation. We want to believe, and I do believe that Abraham really had a concern for the people there, but he also knew that his kin was there, right? Lord, are you going to destroy that town and all the people if, if there's just 50 people? You know, that we went all the way down to just a handful. He said, no, I won't destroy it if there's just that many there. And he couldn't pick out what was the lowest number. If I could find just that many, I won't destroy it. Out of a whole town. So in go the angels right here. Now, I want you to listen to this really closely. We're going to study the word. We're going to read it, but we're not just going to pass through it. We're going to pick it apart and we're going to look at what's going on and we're going to examine what's happening. And I'm going to give you kind of a word picture, if you will, of the city and what it looked like. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them. And bowed himself with his face toward the ground. He instantaneously knew who they was. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house. And tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise up early. And go on your ways. And they said, Nay, we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them. Why did he press upon them? Because he knew what happened there at night. He knew what kind of a town that was. He knew how dangerous it was to be out there and what kind of people made up that town. But yet he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He was sacrificing righteousness and right living and right standing with God because of the chance of employment and the chance of making money and the chance of being in this epic place, this big place down there, full of opportunity. And he says, and he pressed upon them greatly and they turned into him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread. Leaven or yeast represents sin as you all, I'm sure you all know that. So he made unleavened bread and they did eat. Listen to this. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even, uh, it says, even the men of Sodom compassed the house around both old and young All the people from every quarter. All the people of the town. Come around his house. Now, I want you to, I just want you to picture that for a minute. How many people was there? I don't know. There were a lot. And they all came around his house. And this is what they wanted. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men that came unto thee this night, came into thee this night? Bring them out that we may know them, that we may have sex with them. That's what that means. Are you kidding me? 
The ones that he bowed down to, to pay homage to in reverence and fear, these people wanted to rape them. How many's read this story? Yeah. Unbelievable picture of what's going on right here. And Lot went out and shut the door. Uh, Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. He, so he, he comes out of the door. You all wait here. And he shuts the door real quick behind him and says, listen to what he says. I pray you, brethren. Brethren? Now, how many people in here would call that kind of crowd brethren? Would it be in your heart to say that to a bunch of men who are wanting to rape the angels that's in your house? But he's supposed to be a righteous man. Behold, now I have two daughters. Listen to this problem solving situation. Listen to this recommendation. He says, behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and you do unto them that's good in your eyes. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask your wisdom, knowledge and understanding, Lord, as we walk through the word together. Oh, be our unseen guest, Lord God, and speak through our mouth, Lord God, that we all may glean something from the word. And we ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Here they are. Do unto them that's good in your eyes. Only just leave these men right here. I'm paraphrasing. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. You see, unrighteousness and sin will never respect your good intentions. Unrighteousness and sin will never respect you. Don't ever look for it. Don't ever compromise with it because it will knock your door down. It will barge in on you and take you over. Thank God for Lot. He had angels in his house. Thank God for Lot. They just didn't see in Lot what they saw in those angels. Thank God. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge. Now will, uh, we will deal with thee worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to breaking the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house and shut the door. That is very symbolic. Can you see some types and shadows flying all out of that? Angels reaching in and pulling what's called a righteous man back into, the, back into safety and shutting the door. This is what we have to do. When we know we're getting into something, we all make mistakes. And listen, we can't go live in a cave somewhere. We can't just, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But at, there is some point in time, you've got to shut the door on it. Amen? You have to shut the door on it. As Christian people, we have to learn when that time is, you see, to shut the door. There is absolutely no compromising with the devil. Absolutely none at all. 
You can't do it. But the men put forth their hand, pulled Lot into the house, and they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And then he tried to go on, and then we go on and we see that they try to get Lot to leave. It was a job to get him to leave, to get him to rise up. Lot had told his children, rise up, let's go. Get, told, the, told the girls and told their, 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 his son-in-laws, son basically, get, get up, we've got to get out of here. He, they thought he was joking. Well, you think it's, it, it was so, they were so used to it that they couldn't take, they couldn't see what was going on around them. Daddy used to tell me, son, never forget, a, a fox can't smell its own den. That's what dad used to tell me. He said, a fox don't know how bad it stinks because it lives in it. I don't know about any of you, but if you've ever tried to skin one of them suckers, they're nasty. They're nasty. So is a coon. Their den stinks, but they don't know it because they live in it and they can't identify it. and They get used to it. You see, the same thing exists when, when we deal with sin as a Christian person. We can get so used to sin that it don't never bother us no more. We become desensitized to its effect around us. And we no longer can see it going on around us because we're so used to seeing it every day. Do you know that even in mental health, that a person who lives with a neurotic person or somebody who has a mental illness, the caretakers of those pe people that live there all the time are considered to be partially neurotic themselves because they accept abnormal behavior as normal. So you walk in that house, somebody that's over there in a corner talking to themselves, their best friend that exists but isn't standing there and they're talking to no one, and you're freaked out the first time you see that. But if you live there, you just eat your sandwich, you go on about your dinner, and you just sit there, and that's just, that's a, that doesn't no longer raise your ears up anymore. As I said to the church here just, just recently, you know, when, when Gone with the Wind came out, and frankly, my dear, I don't give a, and then that just set off repercussions throughout the United States over one little word. And now we've become so desensitized to it because it's all around us. The biggest, biggest danger that we face in Christianity today, one of them, is that we're being even taught now to accept it. We're being taught to accept it. When in Timothy chapter 5 and also 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Christian people, tells young Timothy to rebuke sin. What does the word rebuke mean? It's an expression of strong disapproval and a reprimand. And this is what he told Timothy to do to the church. He said, them that sin rebuke before all so that all may fear. We've read that. Really? Paul understood the dynamics and the power of sin. Now, do we go up and we make somebody... No, that's, we can handle it. But we have to understand what sin is. And, and how powerful it is. And what its consequences are, you see. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he said, Preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine you're not supposed to be evil when you do it. it's not supposed to be mean when you do it but you're supposed to lovingly help somebody say hey are you aware of what you're doing could is there in direct conflict with with your beliefs sometimes we need that help 
like that. That's picking one another up. I invite, I invite criticism in that way. I'm not afraid of that. That's someone loving me enough to say, hey, Brother Keaton, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm a big enough boy to handle that. Listen, the seriousness of sin has become a rare concept in the present time that we live in. Let me just, let me just when the Lord begins showing me this for this sermon for us, sin is such a rampant thing right now. Do, do we all really understand its consequences? Do we really believe in the consequences of it? Hell is a very real place, so is heaven. The Bible says the soul that sinneth. Anybody want to finish that? The soul that sinneth shall surely die. Man, that's some rough talk. We can't deaden the nerve that shows us when we sin. We cannot allow that to happen. And there is no perfect person and all of us have this problem. There's no one exempt from sinning. I had a woman one time tell me that she never sins. I said, well, that's your first lie. There's your sin. (laughs) You just did. Because the Bible says either God's a liar or she is. And I don't think she knew it. But the Bible says we all fall short. Daily. Right? We all fall short daily. We're human. We can't help it. We need help. Sin is a really bad thing, but we got to learn what it is and we got to learn, we got to deal with it when it happens so that we don't re- become a repeat offender, you see. The Bible says, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is. And that kind of a sin, when you know to do good, is called iniquity. That's why the Bible makes a difference between the two. It says that He will forgive us of our sins and iniquities. Iniquity is a purpose sin. It's one you do on purpose when you know that it's wrong. That's really bad. That's an iniquity. Interesting that God points out the difference. A Christian who recognizes sin is one who sees sin for what it is. What is What is it? It's missing God's standard of holiness for your life. It's missing it. It's missing the mark. It's when God corrects us and shows us, listen, you're not on the right path. You need to change. The interesting thing about Lot right here is he was surrounded with this activity. And he didn't do anything about it. He lived and stayed there. Now, as we go on... And look at this. In 2 Peter, he comes back and revisits Lot and what Lot's issues was. And listen, Peter said this. He said, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing upon a flood of the world of, of ungodly, 
and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, making an example out of those uh, after, after those who should live, who do live ungodly. But listen, and delivered just Lot vexed. The, the Bible says evil communications corrupts good manners. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Who you put yourself around has an absolute effect on you. And especially who you call friends has an absolute effect on you. You're not stuck up. You're not nose in the air, pinky out like this because you choose not to hang around someone who every other word is a curse word. The Bible says we'll be judged by every idle word that comes out of our mouth. But what is your standard of holiness? Does it meet God's standard? Or are we beneath that standard? We have to figure that out. And this is what it said. That Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and in hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Everything that you see Lot doing is a result of being desensitized, lowering his standard. It was not God's will that he lived there. God tried to get him out. Amen? If it was God's will for him to live there, he'd never send him there in the first place. God knew he was going to destroy that town. They'd been sinning long before Lot got there. That was not God's will that he lived there. That's common sense. But Lot, because he was desensitized, he accepted their behavior. He tolerated it. That's another word. Toleration. That's a good thing. We do need to be tolerant of things that, you know, we need to love people and we need to accept people for who they are, not who we want them to be, but we cannot tolerate the sin. We can love people, but we cannot tolerate sin for us. Sin is just, it's something we can't deal with. We can't put it on our life. We can't allow it to fixate and, and grow, grow, germinate within our heart. We can't allow that to happen. And we have to somehow, when we go out into the world and we go out and we see all these wretched things that's going on and we have to work amongst it and we have to live amongst it and it's even in our families we're amongst it. We have to figure out a way to keep ourselves clean. But everything that happened to him, this whole ordeal was all because he didn't live up to God's standard for him. Man, he even lost his wife. And listen to this. If you go on to read the chapter, you're going to see another thing that happened. It is family that was raised there. His two daughters. They say, you know what? Dad ain't got no boys left in his family. Let's get dad drunk. And we will have sex with him and we'll both get pregnant and give him children. Can you believe that? What kind of a mind thinks that way? That's in your Bible. That's unreal that someone would think that way. Do you know why they thought that way? Because they were around that stuff the whole time. And they were not getting taught 
Man, that's against the law. That's against God's will. We shouldn't be doing that. And from them unholy unions came the Moabites and the Ammonites. Ammonites. And they were pagan people. It wasn't God's will. Can you believe that? You see, when you engage wickedness, wickedness will rub off on you if you're not careful. And you'll begin thinking like it. You already fight a fallen nature. Listen, when we get saved, when we get born again, we, we take on a new nature. We, we die to sin, but sin never, ever dies to you. Let me say that again. We have power over sin. We can overcome it through Jesus' name. Listen, but it never stops tempting you. And it never stops visiting you. Ever. As a matter of fact, when you get saved, you become a bigger target. Yeah. A bigger one. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32, which is a lot of a lot of, of, of words here. I'm going to read this to you. And we're going to pick just a little bit of this apart, just a little bit. But all this is possible because of desensitization to what's sin and sin and its consequences. I want you to understand there is consequences to things. I know we don't like to think that way, but there are consequences to things. Good consequences when we do good things and bad consequences when we do bad things. Listen to this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, what does that mean? Let me read that again. Because the old Elizabethan language that of our beloved King James can be somewhat kind of just gerbily goosh to us sometimes, right? Let me say this again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So this is what it would say if it was spoken right now. It would say, but God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That sounds much different, doesn't it? Than suppressing the truth. Okay, by who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Picture that. You hold the truth in your unrighteousness. That's called being desensitized. Or you just don't care. Or you just don't believe that there's consequences. And that God could ever do something to you. Because that which may be... That which may be known of God is manifest in them. I'm going to read this really good for you as best I can. For God has showed it unto them for the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Verse 20. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to extrapolate that again. And it says this. 
For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and everything that was created through everything God made. They can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. There is no way that we can walk out of this building right here, go out and look at this beautiful landscape, enjoy this beautiful weather, see them beautiful birds and the squirrels and the deer and the turkey that come and visit me every day and say there is no God. Natural revelation is what it's called. Natural revelation shows man that there is a God. Natural revelation shows you that it's compelling beyond all things to the Shawnee. They called him Kijimanatu. They believed that he was absolutely the divine creator. They, you couldn't even miss him if you never heard of him. Some of the early Jesuits that visited some of my ancestors say they lived a more Christian life than the Christians were living. Because they lived amongst natural revelation. They couldn't help but to, to believe in a God because they were in his creation all the time. Now listen to this. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, nor nor were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. That's 21. In other words, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. They didn't understand. They begin to make up things. And as they made the things up, they were bypassing conviction that God was sending to their hearts saying, stop that. All the while, we get the sense as we read through this Romans chapter right here that God is continuously dealing with these people until we get to these points coming up. He's continuously talking to these people in the Roman church until He gets done talking. He's reaching out to them, giving them every opportunity. He's watching all this take place. Listen to this. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. In other words, they became idolatrous. They began to worship things. All the while, God's trying to touch their heart. They know the truth. We know that they knew the truth because Paul said they did. They held righteousness in their heart. They suppressed it. And everything was around them that was declaring God to them. They had no excuse, Paul said. God was continuously unveiling His nature and His presence to them, and they refused to listen. I, like I told you before, I told you this, this story in church before, I'll reiterate this, because it was such an amazing thing to watch God do it. We had this at my work, you know, I was always thinking outside the box to try to get us help, and, I, and, and so I went to the courts and talked to the judges and got these troubled kids that would get in trouble. I said, listen, send them over to me. I'll get, put them in community service. We'll get them out there and we'll get them picking up trash in the roads. We'll get them painting stuff at the parks. We'll get, well, I'll use them. I wanted to witness to them. And I had this one boy and he came to, he came to my work and he signed in one day. He was glad to get out of that jail. And I said to him, I said, listen, do you go to church? 
Obviously, I knew he didn't, right? Oh, no, I don't believe in any of that. That's for the weak-minded and old people who are just weak. I don't believe in anything. I said, really? I said, man, you got more faith than me, son. He said, oh, no, no, man, I don't have any faith. I'm telling you, I don't have faith in anything. I believe in anything. I said, oh, like I said, you got more, way more faith than me. I said, for me to believe in a God that never fails doesn't take a lot of faith. But for you to believe in a God that's not believe in a God that's so evident takes a lot of faith. He got saved. Gave his life to Jesus Christ. I said, you miss all this? I said, you, you raise, you go to sleep every day and raise up. Go to sleep every day and raise up. Go to sleep every day and raise up. I said, that's like death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. I said, you see these deciduous trees lose their leaves, come back to life. Lose their leaves, come back to life. Lose. I said, everything's calling death and resurrection. You see the sun go down and the sun come up. Sun go down, sun come up. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. I said, he's crying Jesus' name to you. You got saved. How can we miss natural revelation? It's unbelievable. Listen to this. Now, three times when God reiterates something, perk your ears up. It should be like you're going to your dog. Ears pop up. Yeah, dad, watch it. At least my dog does that. He thinks I've got something for him to eat, right? Yeah, dad, what's up? Three times Paul reiterates this, what he's about to say. Listen very carefully. Three times God did something, said something. Listen to this. Wherefore, in verse 24, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves. So here's a group of people who stop listening to God, who start suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. God deals with them. God tells them. God's reaching out to them. God keeps reaching out to them. God keeps dealing with God shows them Himself through natural revelation, through everything that's clearly we're without excuse because everything declares the existence of God. He says this, that He gave them up. Now let me tell you, you're in deep, deep trouble when God gives you up. Folks, this is a New Testament statement. This is not an Old Testament law. This is New Testament saying there is a line in the sand. God gave them up. He got tired of it. Okay, you ain't going to listen to me. You're going to be so desensitized that you're going to do stuff that's unbelievable. Go ahead. You know what you are when that happens? A walking dead man waiting just to die to go to hell. Thank God. It takes God dealing with us. Listen, this, not many people study this for the serious nature that it is. He's not talking about sin. We cannot make God an accomplice to sin. You can't do that. You cannot make God an accomplice to your sins. He will not be there for that. That's why it is so important to see it for how it is and what it is. Let me read this again. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their bodies between themselves. Um, 
extrapolated and, and said in clean English, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Wow. Verse, I'm, I'm glad Pastor Jay didn't say this stuff. Thank goodness. Listen to this. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. So for idolatry, we can get away with that for a little while, but then God gave them up. This is very serious to consider this in a world that is so wretchedly full of sin that I struggle with, that we all struggle with. We're all here together in this time, in this date, in this world. Listen to this. In verse 26, number 2. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. The second thing. Second time. He said He gave them up one time. Now He says He's given them up again. Why? Over these vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust towards one another, men with men working that which is unseemly seemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. In other words, terrible sexual things. Homosexuality and lesbianism. God said, if you can't see the design in creation, if you're so debased in your mind that you can't understand that simple truth, that you would cease to exist if you lived those two lifestyles, that it was my order that put this thing together, that you're supposed to marry and have children. If you're so gone, I'm done. Simply put, this is hard, but this is sin. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, I want to say that again. I want you to hear this. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Why? Because if I think of God, he's going to convict me of what I'm doing. And I don't want to feel that. I want to be free and do what I want to do. Listen to this. God gave them over. That's the third time. To a reprobate mind to go ahead and do those things which are not convenient. And then look at what all of these other characteristics that will fill a person who becomes desensitized after a while. Now listen, I've been doing this for over, I mean, 30 years. I have seen this happen. And I'm sure Jess, you can vouch for this. He's done it years more than me. I have seen people come to church, give their life to Christ. I have seen people backslide and become worse than what they was. Yes, I have. I've seen people, honest to goodness, do very well and then fall away. You know, it goes something like this. They become desensitized to sin. They don't like to retain God in their knowledge. And so they begin to drift away just a little bit. 
And I'm always on the phone making phone calls because that, that's who I am because I can see it. I'm watching the flock. I'm looking for the stragglers. I'm looking for what I call fringe walkers. There are fire walkers who love God and enjoy the warmth. But there are people who that fire convicts them and they like to stay on the fringe. But I always tell them, furthest from the shepherd is closest to the wolf. The wolf exists on the fringe. Do not stay there. It's right outside the light. It's like where the light fades into darkness. Every predator, even prey animals like deer, they love to hang out on edge lines. Because a deer will come out and they will feed in that field. And they will not venture far if there's cover, water, and shelter. If there's shelter, water, and food there, they will stay right there. And they'll come right out there on the edge. But it's right there. They like the darkness because they feel like they can't be seen. Predators do too. They love the darkness. An owl flies through the night and you cannot even hear him. He soars at speeds unbelievably fast and his wings make no sound. I've been hunting before being in a tree at the break of day and I look and something went by me never made a sound. Not a nothing like it. It was just nothing. You'll hear the hawks in the morning time. Listen closely. You'll hear them call. Their call scares the squirrels and sends them running back to their nest. And they hit them. That's why you'll hear the cooper's hawks and the red-tailed hawks squeal in the morning. They're kicking the game up. Fringe. And they look for it and they know exactly where to be at exactly the right time. Listen to this. This is those things that happen. And I've seen people do this. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, fornication and adultery. Does everybody in here know what the difference is between? Raise your hand if you know what the difference is between fornication and adultery. They are not one and the same. Fornication is committed when you have illicit sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage. Adultery is when you cheat by doing the same thing. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. Without natural affection. Parents that don't love their children. Parents who let their children do whatever it is they want to do with no direction. My daughter was a guard in one of the prisons when she was doing her master's degree in criminology. And she was there with a lady who had put her baby in a microwave and killed it. The women were more ferocious than the men. You would not believe it. 
Women who, she was in there with another lady who locked her kids in the car and drove them into a pond and drowned them. That is a lack of natural affection. That's demonic. It's not natural to be a, to not love your parents. It's not natural. That's not natural love to be disobedient to your parents. That's, that's, if you can't obey your parents, you can never obey God. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but listen, but have pleasure in those that do these things. That, in essence, is being desensitized to the point to where you have pleasure in sinful things or participation in sinful things or putting your amen to sinful things because, because you enjoy it. Very dangerous. I have seen this in in the ministry God has put me in. I have seen it with my eyes. You are not exempt from it. I am not exempt from it. Satan knows how to drag us in and bait us into this. We have to be so careful. I want to sound the alarm. And protect our mindset. Protect our mindset. I had watched, and I know that they were here right now and they'd want me to tell it. I would come down here and I would preach revivals all the time. When I was up in Dayton, and I was preaching at Bott's Church one time and a bunch of people got saved. I can't remember. I think it was Speedy or Jeff one got saved at that one. One of my brothers. And then another one got saved and I was down near Crockett and I was preaching down there at a blind man's church named William Wright. And his brother, who was a crippled man, ran that church. It was pastor and assistant pastor. I watched my other brother get saved. And I watched my dad start going to church. And my brothers was the type of people who the power of sin got a hold of them. And I thank God that I feel as if they... I know they made it right at the end. But they were the type of people who were so athletic and so gifted at this stuff and so against doing anything like any of this stuff, like doing drugs or drinking. It was absolutely, they, they, were, they, they were so strongly driven to keep themselves clean and they worked out. And then all of a sudden, they started getting around some other people. Then all of a sudden, they tried this or that. All of a sudden, they were dead. I watched my brother go from a boy who could throw a baseball 85 miles an hour in a little league. Who could run a 4-4-40. And if you don't know how fast that is, it goes about like this through this church. Who could throw a... I mean, just amazing. He was the guy you flipped the football to and he was gone. No one could tackle him. He just was so gifted. He He was one of these gifted people. And so was my other brother. The one brother was so gifted that when he, when he wrestled, he pinned every single person in less than 30 seconds this one year. Was a state wrestler. Was awesome. So gifted. You would have never thought. Would have never thought. 
He went from that to what I just described to someone who lost his leg because of drugs, who lost every tooth in his head because of drugs, who became so addicted to cocaine, heroin, methamphetamines. He lost every single thing he had. You would not have recognized him. Unbelievable. That sin took him that low. And he would want me to tell you. That's how he was. He would want me to tell you. I've watched it. Do not underestimate Satan in your life. Do not. We all need to keep ourselves clean and I'm going to tell you why. And then I'm going to be quiet for each other as well as for your own sake. We've seen some needs pop up in this church here lately. We need to be clean and in the will of God to pray for one another. To effectively pray and lift people up. We can't have that sin nerve deadened because it hurts us. And so we just cauterize it as with a hot iron. We can't let that happen. We have to stay clean. Holiness isn't preached very much anymore. It feels good, do it. Blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. Those are all false doctrines. God will take care of us when we perform His will. He'll give to us as we have need. Brother Jess.